The Productive Woman, Episode 234. Hello and welcome to this episode of The Productive Woman. My name is Laura McClellan and this is a podcast about productivity for busy women. My goal is to help you find the tools and encouragement you need to manage your time, life, stress, and stuff so you can accomplish the things you care about most and make a life that matters. Thanks so much for joining me. In this episode, I'm delighted to share with you my conversation with Chartered Company Secretary, International Resident, Wife and Mom, Christiane Kenny. You'll find more information about Christiane, along with links to resources she recommends and the various ways you can connect with her online, all in the show notes for this episode, which you'll find at theproductivewoman.com slash 234. This episode is brought to you by FreshBooks and by the University of California at Irvine Division of Continuing Education. You know, if you want to get your business finances in order and make tax time a little less stressful, learn how FreshBooks cloud accounting software can help. Visit freshbooks.com slash woman and enter the productive woman in their how did you hear about us section to get started. Education can be really important to achieving our goals and making a life that matters, but we can't always spend hours in a classroom to get the education we want. Well, the University of California at Irvine Division of Continuing Education is here to help us achieve those goals. So if you're trying to start a new career, advance in your existing career, build a company, or simply learn something new and develop a better appreciation of the world around you, UCI's Division of Continuing Education has the resources you need to support those undertakings. They offer programs in a wide range of categories from business to healthcare, finance, even law. Uh, They offer over 60 convenient certificates and specialized studies programs, both on campus and online, that are designed for the working professional who seeks career advancement and personal enrichment. UC Irvine is ranked among the top 50 universities nationally and ranks 10th among all public universities in U.S. News and World Report's annual college survey. They maintain over 30,000 enrollments from students worldwide each year and offer hundreds of exciting courses and programs to local, regional, and global constituencies. Now, as I'm recording this, as you're listening to this, spring quarter is coming up and registration is open. If you visit ce.uci.edu slash podcast and enter the promo code podcast, you'll get 15% off one course for this spring semester. That's ce.uci.edu slash podcast and enter the promo code podcast to get 15% off one course. But this offer is only valid until March 31st at 11.59 p.m. So if you're thinking about doing this, go right now and check it out and don't wait to enroll and be sure to let them know the productive woman sent you. Now let's get into my conversation with Christy Ann Kenny. I am delighted to introduce to the Productive Woman listeners, Christiane Kenny. Christiane is a chartered company secretary who's originally from Canada, but for some time now has been living internationally with her husband and their daughter. And I've really been looking forward to talking with her about how she's making a life that matters. So welcome, Christiane. 
Thanks very much, Laura. I'm so excited to be here. Well, I'm I'm thrilled that you could come. I think it's going to be a fun conversation because, you know, we uh, with my guests, I talk about a lot of the same things. It's all about how we're getting the things done that we care about, how we're making a life that matters as we define it. But you've got an extra little twist uh, in in how you're doing that. And I'm, I'm looking forward to talking about that a little bit. Great. And so I, I briefly introduced you, but maybe you could start by telling, uh, telling us a little bit more about who you are and what you do, and maybe where you are, you know, whatever you want us to know about you as we start talking about this. Sure. Okay. Well, as, as you mentioned, I'm from Canada. I'm currently on a bit of a a trip to Bermuda, where I will be moving in the next couple of months. I originally, well, I'm currently living in the UK near London. It's all a bit jumbled at the moment because we are moving from the UK to Bermuda uh, for my husband's job. And we previously lived in Bermuda. I first came here in 1998 and we were here for 12, 13 years. I met my husband here and my daughter was born here. We left when she was two and we went back to Canada for five or six years. And then my husband's job, his company moved him to their global head office in London. So we've done two and a half years now in London. And we would have stayed longer. We really love it there. But a really great opportunity for my husband's career came up with another company, uh, which happened to be headquartered in Bermuda. So it seems like a coincidence. It's it's not as much. He's in the reinsurance industry and Bermuda is the third largest reinsurance domicile in the world. So um, it makes sense that London, New York or Bermuda were highly likely places for him to get a job. That's why we're here. And yes, I have a 10-year-old daughter. I also have a golden retriever named Evie and a cat named Prada. And they're, um, they're a big part of our life. And you will understand why, because when you move around with pets and children, it adds a whole new element to your life and to your decision making, to be honest. No doubt. How do you how do you actually move internationally with pets? Are there I mean, how does that you don't you don't just take them on the plane with you or, or do you? No, well, in some cases you can. Um, so within the U.S. you can move, but internationally and and given different countries' requirements. So when we moved to the U.K., we were coming from a rabies country, which is Canada, um, to a non-rabies country um, in the U.K., where they also had things like was it foot and mouth disease and different issues that they've they've had but not rabies. And they obviously want to keep rabies out. So they have a very, very strict process of medical certificates, vaccinations, and then you actually have to use a cargo carrier. You drop your, your animals off at the cargo depot and you go and get on your plane and then you see your dog or cat several hours later um, on the other side. Uh, so it's really nerve-wracking. And, and in that case, if you do the paperwork wrong, they can immediately quarantine your animals for up to four months. So wow. You really want to get it right. Now, coming to Bermuda, back to Bermuda, um, similarly, they have to go in a cargo type situation. And there are thankfully in the UK, lots of companies that do kind of pet exportation. So we've had a lot of help on this side. It's also a non-rabies to non-rabies country. So we're a little bit simplified there. Hmm. Lots of nuances and lots of complexities to doing what you're doing. Well, let, and we're going to get more into that about, you know, how that's all working for you, why you did it. And, and you right. touched on it a little bit, but before, and we're going to talk about how you are, you know, staying productive in, in whatever senses you, you think about that and how you're making a life that matters as you define that. 
But before we talk about that and the specific kinds of things that you do, I think it's always helpful to have some context for that. Uh, 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 what works for you probably is largely dependent on what kind of life you live, you know, and that's true for right. all of us. And so this is an interesting question to ask you since right now your life's in a bit of upheaval. But if there is such a thing for you as a typical day, what might that look like? Right. Okay. Yeah. And I know you, all your guests always say, oh, there is no such thing. But I think you, we all kind of have this ideal day to say, if everything goes as planned, this is what it looks like. So yeah. um, as you mentioned, I'm a chartered company secretary, and I have actually worked for a Bermuda company, a corporate services company uh, affiliated with a law firm that provides corporate services to Bermuda companies in the insurance and reinsurance space. Um, up until last week, I actually worked for them. So I can get into that a little bit later. So I have for the last eight years. So I worked for them for 16 years. And for the last seven or eight, uh, I've worked for them remotely. Um, so I've done a lot of business travel and I also work from home. So those are, you know, I'm not going off to an office every day. The way we usually work back in the UK um, when we're not on so-called holiday, uh, I'm usually up around 6.30. My husband has a pretty long commute into London. Um, so he's up really early and he's leaving around then. Um, so I get up and I kind of take the morning to get myself organized. So I get dressed and you know, make myself a coffee, do a few things around the house and review my plan and schedule for the day. And then around 7, 7.30, I'll wake my daughter up. Uh, we get her breakfast, finish any last bits of homework, violin practice, that kind of thing that we may have missed the previous night. Um, we go to school around 8, 8.30 and I'll drop her off. And then uh, I'll go for a run with a friend or I'll walk the dog. And then I might go, if I haven't gone for a run, I might go to the gym um, or for a workout back at home, which I find uh, we keep a little bit of a home gym just because if you can't get out, even just doing 15 or 20 minutes exercise, I find just really helps. Yeah. After that, we get set for the day or I'll get set for the day, have a quick shower and ready to go. And I'll sit down with my coffee and my breakfast and I'll start work for the day. And my job mainly involved, you know, board meeting calls, emails with my team. So I managed a team of about 10 back in Bermuda. Um, and I also had clients that I worked with um, directly. So there are a lot of board meeting calls um, doing minutes, reviewing the work my team had done and doing strategic management discussions with people back at home. So I was working with that time zone um, change anywhere from between five and six hours. Um, so things were very quiet in the morning and then in the afternoons, kind of crazy with it all coming in. So that would be Bermuda and Eastern time morning. Mm -hmm. um, but right now that I, I cut back to work part time and then now that I've finished ahead of ahead of this move, uh, I do a lot of moving related stuff. So I'll get onto my emails and I've had to do school applications uh, for here for Bermuda uh, for my daughter, um, the, the pet export things. I've been meeting with people to get movers quotes and just working through all that kind of thing, especially canceling things that we had set up like direct deposits and that kind of thing where you need to give a month or two notice on your utilities, that kind of stuff. So that takes a lot of time. And thankfully, I was able to cut down to part time for a bit. And now I'm free to really get into that kind of stuff. So I'll spend about six or seven hours doing that through the day. And then at about 4.30, I'll pick up my daughter from school. And then it really is homework, music practice, swim practice. When I was working, I would work well, you know, a lot of that time. And I was slotting in work wherever I could find the time at swim practice. I'd be on my laptop at the pool. And then we're home around 8 I have to feed her again because swimmers eat a lot of food. Well, <laughs> little kids eat a lot of food, but I find she she eats all the time. Um, and then get her off to bed and spend a little bit of time with my husband. And then if I've had a particularly 
rough day, I might stay up later and watch a TV show, my guilty pleasures. Um, but usually we're just kind of done for the day and I'll take a herbal tea and a book to bed and asleep by 11. So that's kind of a regular work day per se. Um, and then really family time is on the weekends and we're up still early for swim practice. And I run with a friend on a, on one day. And then the other day, uh, my husband and I go for a walk with the dog and grab a coffee. And that's kind of, that's our together time for the, for the week. Yeah. I mean, it, it, there's a lot to unpack there, a lot of interesting things. And, and it sounds like right now, uh, you know, preparing for an international move is almost a full-time job. It is. And, and we are lucky to be in a position where I was able to give up my job. And I haven't. The, the other two international moves that we've done, um, I continued working. Uh, and I really realized, and I think, Laura, when I was speaking to you, we did a mastermind together. Um, I was pretty stressed out because mm. we had just moved. We were doing the settling in process. And that settling in in another country takes a year, you know, six months to a year, because you really are, especially if you're, you're going to a place where you don't know people, you don't have family, you don't have a support system, and you're trying to work and be a mom and doing all those kind of things, then you bring in the time zone difference, you know, it's, it's hard, and it's emotional. And um, so you, you kind of need to be prepared for that. And, and this time around, we really are, and we, we could see going in that our daughter was going to need a little bit more support at the age that she's at. And so we made the decision for me to give up my job for the time being. Yeah. And, and I want to come back to that in a minute and talk about that, you know, the logistics of it and the, the factors you take into consideration, why you decided it was a, a, a good thing this time for you to quit your job and focus on the move and your family. But before we go there, I do have a question about, you were talking about your job as a, as a company secretary and the things you do there. And you mentioned that you manage from the UK, a team back in Bermuda. How does that work? What tools do you use to stay in communication with that team and to, to, to manage a team so far away from where you're located? Um, it was interesting. And to be honest, we weren't the best. Our firm isn't kind of up on the latest technology. So funnily enough, WhatsApp chats have worked really well. Mm. Obviously phone, we have Zoom and Skype and emails. We I work on a, a Citrix server. So I have access. My desktop looks exactly the same as my desktop in the office. Mm. And because when I say manage a team, um, I also had an assistant in the office and a co-manager in the office who did a lot more client work, but also dealt with the on the ground stuff. Um, I focused a lot more on reviewing a portfolio. So I had my own portfolio of clients that I did work for. Um, and then I had clients that, that the corporate administrators in the office worked on. Um, and I would just basically review their work and, and be on emails. We used to email a lot, um, which from a product productivity standpoint was really hard um, because you kind of have to be on your emails at all times. And everyone in the productivity world would be like, block out your email time. And like, that's how I communicate. So um, I did have to be on my emails pretty much all the time. But it did work. And I did it for a really long time. I mean, this yeah. wasn't kind of a temporary thing. So I did it for seven or eight years. And it was, um, and then I would just maximize my time in the office, um, really anything, almost like time blocking. So I knew that when I was in the office, that was my time to really be with the team. Um, 
you know, sit down with them one-on-one, go for coffees with them, have a lunch with them, that kind of thing. So I could really bond with them. So when I was back in the UK or in Toronto, I could still have that relationship that I had built. Yeah. Um, so you, so you traveled to Bermuda periodically to, to be, you know, on site and face to face with your team. Yeah. Just to maintain relationships, not only with the team, but also with our clients, um, other service providers in the industry. Um, I also traveled with a group of people promoting Bermuda as a domicile itself and, and the industry to various places in North America um, where we did informational forums uh, about the business and, and what Bermuda provides for people. So I really kept my relationships the entire time I was I was gone from Bermuda. Well, as we talk about being productive, because this is, you know, this is the Productive Woman podcast and, and getting the things that done, done that matter, you obviously have had a lot of different things that, uh, that you've needed to do um, and uh, keep keep a handle on, so to speak. And, you know, everybody's life, every person's life is a little different, presents different challenges as far as staying productive, getting the things done that really matter to her. What would you say, aside from the, the, the moving and thing stuff, which we're going to talk about in a minute, just in general, what would you say are your biggest challenges when it comes to managing your life, staying productive in the way that you want to be? I think I mentioned it earlier. It really was letting my work take over my life. I can get very focused on my work. My job was, I was very personally invested in the company. I had pretty much grown it from you know, the time they set it up and my relationships with clients. And, you know, I was one of these people that didn't do anything for anyone at any time because that felt good to me to, to, to do well in my career. And then once I became a mom, and especially once I started working remotely, that it was almost like there wasn't enough time. And so I was fitting that work in all the time to any spare moment I could find. And I'd not be as present as I wanted to be. Mm. So, and I felt then the times this difference came in when we moved to the UK two years ago, two and a half years ago, and I would work that day. I, and I would start straight from the time I dropped my daughter off to school and I would work the full day. But as I was finishing up for the day, it would ramp up on the other side of the Atlantic. Mm. Um, and my email inbox would fill up and I would just be like, I'm just going to do one more thing. I've got to do, I've got to respond to this. You know, I've got to. So I was really in, in responding to that and to doing that, I was setting a precedent that I was always available. Mm. Um, and I really found that I had to take that back. That was something I really had to work on. And I think the, the mastermind I did with you, Laura helped just chatting through with the other women in the group and talking to you. Uh, so what I did is I just, I kind of, to address that, I, I took back my mornings. Um, and again, that was also part of the settling in process of moving. I met more people. So I would have friends say to me, do you want to grab a coffee in the morning? Or do you want to go for a run? Or do you want to do this? And I started kind of allowing myself to do that as mm -hmm. opposed to saying, I must work while Lauren's at school. And then I have to work in the evenings as well um, to keep up with the time zone. So I really blocked that off and started getting back to exercise, which was super important to me building those relationships. And then I just also accepted the fact that I'm going to have to work while Lauren is at swim practice, or we'll sit down and we'll have a homework date together and I'll do a little bit more work. And I blocked my time so that my heavy duty thinking, focusing work was done in the mornings before Bermuda kicked off. Then I could respond to emails and be a little bit more on during the morning time for the team. And then maybe just answering emails in a little bit more reactive 
later in the day. So I didn't have to be quite so focused on it. So it was blocking my time and, and kind of working around that, but it still really is a challenge. And as my husband would say, he goes, you have to say you're always late because I always think that I can get more done in the time <laughs> that I have. And I think every, everything will take less time than it really does. So he's like, that's your biggest issue. So he, I'm flagging that just for him. Well, I think a lot of us struggle with that. We all, we're not very good at, at estimating how long something is going to take or how, you know, how much time we need to do something. We always think, or, and many of us, unless we're very, very intentional about it, are not very good at, at being real, uh, having a realistic view of what we can get done in whatever amount of time we have. And so I think a lot of us struggle with that and finding, um, that realistic perspective on how much I can accomplish in the amount of time I have available to me and then and setting boundaries that work for me and the people I work with. I, I think that's an ongoing yeah. challenge for a lot of us. And you have the additional challenge of that pretty big uh, time zone difference between you and the rest of your team. Exactly. And I think one thing that also really helps, I've struggled with perfection, but good enough. Mm. You know what? It's good enough. Just send the email. Just, you know, so it could take you an hour to send an email if you yeah. let it. You know, so, but it also could take you five minutes. So good enough. Send yeah. it off. <laughs> yeah. One of the things that I've done to help with that issue of emails, because I, you know, like you, my job requires me most of the time to be watching email and responding to things, especially when I have a closing going on as a, as a commercial real estate attorney, uh, things happen pretty fast and in, in the last you know day or so week even of uh, preparing for a big closing and I can't just close my email and get back to it whenever, which makes it hard to do focused work when you're always, you've got an eye on your email one of the things I've done to help me respond more quickly or get emails out that I have to send a lot is I, and I've talked about this on the show, I use Text Expander. They've been a sponsor of the show. I don't know if they're sponsoring this episode, but it really is a great tool for me because there are things I have to say frequently you know, in different, different emails and different contexts. And I can type a couple of characters and have it populate the whole email. And then all I have to do is kind of tweak it a little bit and send it off. And that saved me a ton of time in, in those sort of repe repeating emails, recurring kinds of things that I have to communicate about. Exactly. And because I work in a Citrix type platform, I, from listening to your show, I heard about text expander and I asked my IT guy and he said, we well, can't use it within the Citrix mm -hmm. environment. So I set up effectively draft emails, which are the same they yeah. have. And I share those with my team as well, because a lot of what we, what we do is similar. I mean, it's not closing a real estate deal, but it is, you know, you need to hold your annual general meetings, or this is how you incorporate a company. And these are the things you need to think about. And so we do also have those kind of set up yeah. to do that. And it does save a ton of time. Yeah. And that's, I think that's a, a tip for anybody that, that whether it's email or any kind of written communication that you have to do regularly, if there's anything you find yourself, you know, typing or copying and pasting more than, more than a couple times, either use a tool like text expander or set up a template and save it in your email drafts folder that you can just grab that send it off, maybe tweak it a little bit to personalize it to the specific situation rather than retyping or digging around trying to find how did we say that that last time and copying and pasting, uh, make things easier for yourself. 
Exactly. And I love that you share it with your team. So you've got a kind of cohesive communication style if you're all, you know, do kind of communicating similar things in similar ways. I think that bodes well for the team. Yeah. And it's also setting a quality standard. Right. We say this is, you know, this is the quality of a, of a response or informational memo or whatever it is that we're sending out. And this is, this is what it looks like so that everyone, not only does it save time, but you are also sending out a, a consistent quality product. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's talk about, we'll get more into uh, some of the tools you're using and those sorts of things, but I really want to now talk a little bit about this, um, life that you and your husband and daughter have chosen, or your daughter's come along for the ride, I guess. Um, You've moved internationally several times. And I want to talk just a little bit about the logistics of that. You've touched on it. And then I want to talk a little bit about making a home in a country that is not your country of origin. And so maybe from a practical standpoint, let's start with just the logistics of moving internationally. You've done it several times. If if somebody's listening who is contemplating doing that, what what are your sort of best practices? What have you found um, where where the challenges are and, and solutions you've found for doing that for with as you know minimal disruption to your to your yourself and your daughter and and all of that. Sure. Yeah. Um, it really is a function of organization. The first thing, obviously, is by what means are you going to live in a place? So we have always. Um, unless we've moved home to Canada, but even then my husband had another job lined up, but we didn't need to worry about work permits when we were moving. Uh, when my daughter was two in 2011, we left Bermuda. We had been on work permits. Um, we're guest workers in Bermuda. So we had been on work permits issued by the government to work for our specific companies and our specific jobs. Um, different countries around the world have different I, different permit situations in, in which to work. You can get a general permit to move to that country and find a job there, um, all with different rules. I mean, there's so many different versions of work permits around the world. So you would, if you, if you choose a place you want to go, you need to look into how would you live there and how would you work there? Or as we've always done when we've moved internationally is that we've had a job and you get the the permits to live and to work in that country associated with that job. Um, so, so that you're there legally and you have some form of income. Uh, so I think that's the very first thing that usually prompts a move. Uh, or if you're thinking about moving, you could look into a job that, that you could get in one of those countries. I know Bermuda um, has very international recruiters that you can say, I'd like to get a job in Bermuda or Cayman or something like that. And um, you can find a job in that way and then make the plan to move. Uh, So once you're legally able to live in a country, given their immigration uh, requirements, what you would think about is, are you going to go indefinitely? Are you going to go for a period of time? So then you need to think about, are we going to pack up all of our things or pack up all of our our household items and send those over? Because it's pretty costly to do that. Some companies will cover that. So my husband's company, the last, so when we moved to the UK from Canada, and now that we're moving back, it's, it is covered, but you also don't want to take advantage. So you're not going to send, you know, massive amounts of stuff if you don't need to. Sure. I actually had a horse in Canada and I ride hunters and jumpers and I had a horse in Canada and my husband is in finance specifically. And he said, I'm not going to be the guy who 
pays to send a horse over and ask for that to be covered. <laughs> so, you know, there, there's reasonable and then there's unreasonable in terms of what you're sending. You want to also, this is a funny one, just having lived in different climates. You want to think about the different climates that you're mm-hmm. sending your things to because Bermuda, for one, is very humid. Things will get wrecked or things won't last as long as, as they would somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you have that to think about things that you're going to use. You need a dehumidifier in Bermuda. You want to look at the the, the, the electric, um, like the voltage. So all of our, when we left Canada, we sold all of our electric appliances, especially anything based on heat or computers. Um, so TVs, hair dryers, any, all your kitchen toaster, all that kind of stuff. We got rid of all of that. We actually gave it to friends and family, most of it. So we see it regularly when we go back to visit. Um, <laughs> And we had to buy all new when we got to the UK. And now coming back the other way, we're doing exactly the opposite. So we're getting rid of and we're coming back to the, the North American voltage. So that's also something something to think about. Then you've got pets, which I've already touched on. Uh, and then children. So mm-hmm. children is a big one in terms of where are you going in terms of schooling. There's different curriculums throughout the world. When my daughter when we left Bermuda, she was two. So it was just a nursery situation. And then she went into a public school in Canada. But moving from the public school in Canada to the UK system, we live in West London and you have state schools and then you have uh, preparatory schools, or private schools or independent schools. They call them where, where you pay for those ones. Mm-hmm. Um, and the curriculum is different. So you need to take into account, just from a practical standpoint, not even getting into, you know, your child's personality, but also, you know, are they going to be behind or, or how are you going to place them? How are you going to deal with finding a place that, that works for them, that they can still continue along on the same, you know, not be set back and being able to still achieve their, their potential because it can be a really, really good move to see different things. And we can talk about that later. Um, so you really don't want your move to set your child back academically. So that's, something you need to look at is the schooling systems in the places that you're looking at. And then it's the application process, which I've just been in the process of. And my daughter spent a day at a school yesterday as a trial. And she's at right now, she's at a different school, Hmm. giving that a try as well. But before we even did that, we had to fill in the paperwork, send copies of her various reports, and get references from her current school. Hmm. Um, We've, we've chosen to stay in the private system for different reasons in different places. But it can t- it can be a lot smoother as opposed to applying to the local public or state school. And again, that really also depends on the country that you're moving to. So the countries that we've moved to, it was easier and a smoother transition and the ability to more personalize this, the schooling environment for our daughter by going the, the uh, private school route. Hmm. Lots of things to think about. Uh, your daughter, as you mentioned, when you last moved, she was only two. So it was a different kind of thing at that age. As long as mom and dad are there, they're not, you know, they're generally going to be okay. She's older now. What's, um, you know, how's, how's she adjusting or how's she, how's she feeling about this, this move? Yeah. Well, we moved, we also moved two and a half years ago. So Mm. she was two when we left Bermuda, we moved home to Canada. So that was also a bit different because not only was she two, but she had grandparents, friends and family around. Um, So when we, she was six and a half, I believe, or seven coming out of grade one, Mm. 
going into grade two when we left Canada to move to the UK. Um, she was really excited uh, at that point. She Again, but she was little. I think she didn't know what she was getting into. And we did a trial day. We did the same thing where we went for a little kind of reconnaissance trip to look at, at houses and, and schools. And she got to spend a day um, and visit, at that time, three schools. And she fell in love with one. We actually all fell in love with this most amazing school in, in the UK. Um, and she really enjoyed it. And we've had an amazing experience there. So this time she's older, we're getting into, you know, she's 10. So that would be grade four, we call it year five in the UK. And she's made some really good friends. I think mm -hmm. those are our prime years for making friends, especially with girls. And then you're starting to get into kind of those tween years and yeah. the emotion. She has some really good friendship groups. She's very happy in the school, involved in sports. She's involved in the swim team. Uh, so there's a lot of emotions going on about, about leaving uh, but she still feels a lot of excitement to, to come to Bermuda. And when we're here, um, she's excited. The weather hasn't been great while we've been visiting. So we're worried that's going to turn her off a little bit. But she also knows people here and it is a great lifestyle. So that's really, I think we were kind of transitioning into talking about why we, we move. And I think that's probably a good transition is that this time, you know, London was a great experience for us. It's, you know, a major city. Um, lots to do, lots to see. And that was an adventure kind of in itself and, and a really nice lifestyle, to be honest, where we lived and great schooling. And we've made friends there that we will probably have for life. We're expecting a lot to come visit. But then in choosing to move this time again, it's it's for lifestyle. So my husband's commute will be down to probably maximum 10 minutes. And he was an hour and 10 on the tube in, in London. You know, there's his career opportunity uh, obviously financial reasons. Um, and just, it's a really nice place for kids to grow up, especially in this age, you can almost kind of keep them from growing up too fast. And there's, it's a very sporty outdoor lifestyle and you do, it's small, it's two by 21 miles. So you're not doing these big commutes. Um, even kids going off to secondary school, in London are at the age of 11 jumping on tubes and buses and things on their own. Uh, and we kind of, when we thought about that, we're like, it's a lot of pressure. It's a pressurized environment, whereas Bermuda is a bit more relaxed. So um, we thought that this was a good time in our lives to do it. Yeah. Though, and that's so interesting to hear a lot of factors to consider when making a decision, and this is true, whether you're moving internationally or moving, you know, across the country or to another state or even across town, uh, looking at how it's going to affect the family as a whole, and um, whether it's a plus or minus for the person whose job is taking you, if, if it's a job related move, uh, all the things you've described, I can see why this would be an appealing move for for all of you to having, you know, gone myself from a situation where I had an hour plus commute every day, each direction to now working from home. You know, those are things we need to think about when we're making decisions about where to live, where to work. And certainly when you've got kids still at home, you have to take that into consideration and how, you know, did you have that conversation with your daughter when the job opportunity came up? How did you, how did, how did that all play out? We did. We talked a lot about it. Um, and it, and it was a bit of a, a lengthy process where this was a possibility, but hadn't been 
finalized. Um, so we talked about it over the over the period of time that it was that as everything was happening, um, and really gave her a lot of choice. And it does also come down to we're letting her choose between the two schools, but we chose those two schools out mm -hmm. of the rest. So you know we have been ultimately the parents, and ultimately the parents make the decision for what is best for the family. But we've made her part of the decision making process from moving the school, the home we will choose. Um, and I think that buy-in really helps. And then, and just really acknowledging their fear, like the night before we were starting a new school or going for the trial day. So Wednesday evening, you know, my heart just broke for her. I, you know, you don't want your children to be scared and nervous and that kind of thing. And you think, Oh, I've put them in this position. But ultimately when you look at taking chances and I want to say facing your fears or, you know, what doesn't kill you, make you stronger kind of thing without going that far. But at the same time, it really helps you grow as a person. And I know personally, all of the things that have really scared me in my life that I've addressed or hit head on and, and just gone after have brought ultimate rewards. And I don't even really remember the bad stuff as much. So I think parenting and, and this lifestyle, she will grow as a person. Um, from the choices that we're making, as long as we're not forcing her into something she really doesn't want to do. And I, and I think that's ultimately why, why we are living this way, because we, we can see people growing up, and, and nothing wrong with this absolutely at all, but kids who, who have maybe gone all the way through, same set of friends, same group of friends all the way through till maybe they go to university, maybe never leave their hometown. And there's a lot to be said for that. But we're also making friends and meeting the most interesting people around the world and not just meeting them on holiday, but we're, we're really getting to be friends with them and we're collecting friends around the world. And that's what I tell Lauren. I said, we're not leaving them. We're just collecting friends mm -hmm. where, where we go. And so when you look at that kind of mosaic of your life, when you've lived a life like this, you know, you might have two, three friends in every place that you've lived and you visit each other and the world is becomes very small. Um, even though it is big, it is actually very small. And, and with communication and everything now, you can keep in touch. So I think it just, it, for us, has created a very rich life. Yeah. And and I can see that. Uh, you know, I, I totally get what you were saying about your heart breaking for your daughter as she's feeling kind of scared and nervous about going into this new school. And 10 is an interesting age for that sort of thing, you know. But as you pointed out, it's a it's an opportunity for her to grow and strengthen as a person. And I think if we shield our kids from everything that's challenging or hard, um, they miss out on opportunities to grow and become stronger, better people. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. So how do you, um, before we kind of go on to some other things, how do you maintain relationships like with the grandparents and with the extended family when you're so far away, living in a completely different country? Um, my parents are, I, I would just say, our parents are amazing, both sets of grandparents. They come to visit. Uh, they haven't as much in the UK. It's further. And my dad's not that well, so he can't travel. But we travel back a lot. We have a cottage or a, a lake house, you might say, in Canada. So we have now have that where we can host our friends and family there. Mm. It happens to be very lucky that it's beside our very best friends, couple friends and the kids are all friends. So we're neighbors with them there. Uh, so we get to see a lot of that. I WhatsApp with my friends all around the world 
pretty much constantly. <laughs> it is a bit of a distraction, but again, you know, I'm almost in daily touch with my parents and my friends. FaceTime is one that we use a lot. And to be honest, we travel. And that's why another reason why this move back to this side of the world, um, being closer to Canada, it's only a two and a half hour flight mm. from Bermuda. So we can be closer and it's easier for people to come and visit us. And we're not having to do that overnight flight and the, and the, the transatlantic travel back and forth because we were doing that about six times a year, like every school break, we were doing it. And we spend the summers in Canada. So we would maintain it that way. So technology and lots of lots of travel and it's also one of those things where your best relationships you don't need to see people every yeah. day they're the ones where you pick up right where you left off you may not have seen them in a year and you, and you still just pick up as if it was yesterday yeah that's and those are the best kind of relationships anyway yeah exactly so getting back into some of the sort of practical logistics of, of all of this, you have, you've talked about your typical day when you were working and now kind of the things you're doing now to prepare for this new move. And then your life will be adjusting again, once you actually get moved and get settled in. Are there any particular tools you like, um, or resources that you recommend for keeping a handle on all this, managing your time, managing all the, the tasks of, of doing an international move or the, the scheduling of, of having an active daughter um, with, with her own activities. What kind of things do you use to manage all that? Um, Google Calendar. I, I mean, obviously we're all on our smartphones all the time. So Google Calendar, both on my laptop, I have it up all the time, especially scheduling different get different time zones. That's really helpful. FaceTime, as I mentioned before, we use that. I don't use a lot of productivity related apps or anything because I find, I almost find it's more to keep up with. Um, I love a good to-do list on a piece of blank paper <laughs> and my paper planner. I always have a good paper, big paper planner. Um, we, obviously planning vacation. So you need that full year that I need to just be able to flip to whatever month. We also rent out our lake house. So I'm also managing that property at the same time. Uh, so I need to know when that's available and when it's available to rent. So I, I have to see it all in front of me. I'm very visual that way. So a paper planner, a blank piece of paper and a to-do list. I do like Trello though. That's one that I keep going, but I'm not on it daily. Um, but I feel like I can kind of manage my projects with that one. So those are, you know, it's not very high tech, but it's, it works for me. Yeah. And that's all that matters. T high tech is not the be all and end all. These things are tools uh, that, and if uh, the, the, point is to find what serves you and use that. You mentioned in an email, and this kind of ties to what we were talking about, about staying connected with uh, f distant family and friends. In your uh, When we were emailing a little bit back and forth in preparation for this conversation, you mentioned that you've been using Google Photos. Tell me about that. Yes, a friend just put me onto this. So again, I'm not the most techie person in the world. And I always feel like I'm about three steps behind, but a friend put me onto Google photos, which has an amazing amount of storage. So you won't run out and you can set up albums and then you share them. Hmm. So my parents are always like, Oh, you know, what, what are you guys up to? We want to see, see pictures of Lauren. And, um, it's sometimes hard to share. So this way on my phone, I just share them to the album and my parents have the link to it. And again, this is new to me and I think it's amazing. And there might be other 
there might be people doing this on other platforms and they're like, you know, why doesn't she know about this? But this has been a complete game changer for us because I feel like I have all these photos and I do nothing with them. Um, I'm still working on, I think we talked about Laura when we were doing the coaching sessions that I, I wanted to do my photo albums. I'm not much further on that. So, <laughs> um, but Google photos, at least I have these more current albums that I can now share, which yeah. I think staying connected and, and, and grandparents seeing their granddaughter grow up is just makes it so much easier um, and helps us again as, as a family who lives further away um, to share our life. Yeah, I love that. I, it's, it's a tool I hadn't heard of. And so, you know, for us, we've all most of our adult life, Mike and I've lived a long distance from our families. And so I, I wish I'd known about this when our kids were younger, they're all grown and gone now, but I'm going to tell my daughter to <laughs> set one of these up so I can see my little granddaughters and, and my daughter-in-law and, and uh, our grandson. So great idea. Yeah. Yeah. Highly recommend it. Well, we've talked about a lot of things that are going on in your life, and you seem to have a really positive perspective on this life that you you guys have chosen. And and I would imagine that some of that comes from the fact that it is a choice that you have. You know, you haven't just sort of fallen into this accidentally. You've really thought through why you're living this sort of international expat lifestyle and the benefits of it, the challenges of it. You've come up with ways to address those. Uh, we've talked on and off about the 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 areas where you have had faced challenges in the past and just staying productive personally and the tools you've used to overcome those or to, to manage them anyway. Um, with all of that, I, I'm, I gotta ask the question I ask every guest, you know, with, with all of this interesting stuff going on in your life. Cause I'm going to admit, I feel a little bit jealous. I've always wanted to live internationally and just, it's, it, there's never been an opportunity for us, but with all that going on and, and the great stuff happening in your life and the systems and tools you have in place to, to manage it all. Do you ever have a day when it all gets away from you or you, you just get completely stressed out and overwhelmed? And if you do, what do you do to get back on track? Uh, lots of days where it, it all gets overwhelming. Um, and also I, I kind of wanted to add that along those lines, you know, there are definite bumps in the road and there are ups and downs and there are meltdowns, not just by children. Um, <laughs> and you, it's important to look at what is the worst case scenario. And you know what, if it's not going well, you can always move back home, you know, if and that, and that's something that I should have mentioned earlier to consider is like when things go horribly wrong, um, it's nice to know and, and think about, you know, we can always just go back home and, yeah. and that's fine too. Um, so admitting defeat, I think is a really important thing and, and knowing what your worst case scenario is. And so having said that, when, when things get away from me, I am of the mind and, and this is just my personality. I put my head down and just really work, work through it. I make a list of all the things that need to be done that are bothering me, that are keeping me up at night, that are, stressing me out. And I will highlight the ones that are really causing me issues, life or death, a little bit like the urgent, important type principle. Yeah. But for me, it is, is it life or death? Is anyone going to starve or not get picked up from wherever? Is it keeping me up at night? And what's really going to make me happy or make a difference in my day? And I will put my head down and just 
do whatever it takes to get those things done. And if that means not going to the gym or going for a run, or even if the poor dog is looking at me, like I need to go for a walk. It's like, no, you know what? (laughs) Um, I might even get a babysitter for after school or arrange a play date. And I will just put my head down to get that stuff done so that I'm, I can feel in in control of things. Um, It's kind of like a snowstorm. We've always said in in our family, it's like, you know what? It's a snowstorm. Just put your head down and get through it and you'll come out the other side. Mm. Um, And you will. And then the next day I might reward myself by, by taking a little bit easy, maybe going for an extra long walk or out to the woods with the dog that I wouldn't normally do the next day just to say, you know, it's all under control now and, and I can relax. I love that. Yeah, sometimes you just need to power through and know that you there will be an end to it. Um, and I love what you said about recognizing that you you always have the option in in your situation for somebody who's living who's made the decision to, to live in another country, knowing that you always have the option to go back home. That you you know you're not a victim of this. You chose this, and you can unchoose it, so to speak. To me, that makes a big difference, recognizing that I I always have a choice. And it's just a question of whether the choices, you know, looking at the options, whether I can live with the consequences of one choice or the other, you know? Yes, that's that's exactly it. And, it, and it's, it's a wonderful opportunity to have a choice. I mean, a lot of people in this world don't. So yeah. to have a choice and to have the, the ability to act on it is, is a privilege. So... Well, this has been so interesting to hear how this is all working out for you and your your kind of advice and tips for people who might, you know, be looking at a similar situation. What's on the horizon for you? You've you've left your job to focus on the move. Uh, are you is the move impending soon or what, you know, what's what's coming up for you and your family? Yes. So we, like I said, we're on a bit of a reconnaissance mission right now, finding a house and schools and things in Bermuda. So we'll go back to the UK for about five or six weeks. Um, We'll finish out the school term the end of March. So we're recording this the end of February. We'll finish out the school term the end of March. And then early April, we'll be flying over all of us. My husband is actually going to come and start work at the beginning of March. Mm. So it'll just be my daughter and I for, for about a month. And then we'll all fly over together on uh, early April. And that will be the start of our adventure here in Bermuda. So um, there's that. And because I've, my experience is mainly, and because the job that I do um, is, is pretty prominent in Bermuda, I have lots of opportunity here for a job. Um, I'm looking to doing something a little bit different. I mean, having done kind of the same thing and having a great, great amount of success, um, growing the business that I did before, I'm kind of excited of what's on the horizon for me to maybe take the next step in my career. And I, and I'm just happy to have the ability to take some time to once we're settled to, to think about that and I think about what I do really want to do. Very exciting. Um, Christiane, is there a way for folks to connect with you online or, you know, if they want to hear more about what you're doing or if they've got questions about an international move, um, is, is there any way for people to get in touch with you? Absolutely. Yeah. I'm on all the kind of Instagram, Facebook, um, Instagram. I'm getting more on again. I'm the, probably the least techie person that, um, <laughs> that you might, <laughs> that you might meet, but, um, yeah, I'll, I'll definitely provide you with, with my details to put in the show notes. And if anyone wants to reach out, I'm more than happy, um, to chat about my experiences or if I can help in any way, 
I'm happy to do that. Great. Yeah. Well, so I'll get that those from you and we'll put the links in the show notes uh, for this episode and they can hit you up there. Uh, well, I, this has been such Great. an interesting conversation. I appreciate it so much. Before we go, thinking about the things we've talked about and just life in general, do you have any last words for the listener who might be looking for a little help or encouragement and getting things done and making a life that matters? What, w- what would you say to her or him? Uh, um, I would just say, you know, don't be afraid to take chances mm-hmm. um, and to to really think about what's right for you, not what's right for the other person and not what's what everybody else thinks, what's right for you, what's right for your family. Um, and don't be afraid to take a chance um, because it's well worth it. Even though it seems a little scary, it's well worth it in the end. I love it. Great, great advice. Great words of encouragement. Thank you so much, Christiane, for giving, uh, taking the time to talk with me today. You're welcome. Thank you, Laura. I had such a good time talking with Christiana, and I am really grateful for her for taking the time to share her thoughts with us on how she's managing her life, for the great suggestions and ideas and encouraging words she offered the rest of us. But what do you think? Do you have any questions for Christiane? Any thoughts on, you know, traveling and moving internationally, especially with kids in the house? I would love to hear from you. I know Christiane would as well. You can always share your questions, your thoughts, your comments in the comment section of the show notes for this episode, which again, you'll find at theproductivewoman.com slash 234. Or you can post a comment or question on the Productive Woman Facebook page, and we can have a conversation there as well. If you want to share your thoughts with me privately, as always, you can email your questions, comments, or suggestions to me at feedback at theproductivewoman.com, and I'd love to hear from you. You know, if you haven't already done so, please join me in the Productive Woman Community Facebook group. That's a great place to have conversations about things like this. Uh, It's a private group only available to Productive Woman listeners, uh, women actually, who listen to the show. And this is a place where we can meet up and interact more directly. You can ask questions, share information, insights, and encouragement. Basically, it's a place to have a conversation about making a life that matters as you define it. And and I love the conversations that go on there. So you can find the group on Facebook or just go to theproductivewoman.com slash group and uh, get there and click the join button. Be sure to answer the three little questions so I know you're a real person who wants to be a part of the group and not, you know, unfortunately, there are people who troll around Facebook trying to cause trouble. And I don't believe you're one of those. But if especially if your personal profile is, um, you know, you have the security set, so it's, it's secret. If we're not friends, I can't see anything on there. And I can't confirm that you're an actual person who's trying to join the group. So anyway, go there, click join, answer the questions. Because if you're a woman who listens to this podcast, I would love to connect with you there. A quick reminder, I don't ask this very often, but I would love it if you would help spread the word about the Productive Woman podcast. If you find value here, uh, help me grow the community and spread the word. Tell a friend. I think most people find podcasts through word of mouth. And so if you've got a friend who you think would enjoy the show, 
talk to her, show her how to subscribe, get her involved. Uh, you can share an episode by going to the show notes for that episode and click one of the social sharing buttons and it'll let you share that episode onto your Facebook page, uh, your uh, Pinterest, uh, Twitter, those sorts of things. And consider maybe leaving a review in iTunes that helps people find it helps it make it a little more visible. I think in iTunes, uh, you can do that by going to the productive slash iTunes, and it'll take you right there to where you can rate and review the show. I want to say a special thank you to um, Melly Life. I, I hope I'm saying that right. Or Mel yeah, uh, from Australia, who recently left a really kind review saying this has become my favorite podcast of late. I love the wisdom so freely given the content inspiration and the warmth of Laura. It feels like I'm sitting down to a conversation each day with a wise and dear friend. Thanks. Well, thank you to you, uh, Melly Life from Australia. I am grateful to know that you find the podcast worth listening to. Uh, before we go, a quick word about our sponsor, FreshBooks. For those of you who have a small business or who are getting a business started, I, you know, we know it's no small feat to get a business off the ground. It takes a lot of late nights, early mornings, a lot of work, um, and it keeps you busy usually. And so FreshBooks has offered a way to make things a little easier. They have a solution to managing the money side of, of your business. Their invoicing and accounting software is designed specifically for small business owners. So it's simple, it's intuitive, and it keeps you way more organized than a drawer filled with crumpled receipts. I, I'm sure you don't do that, but I've been guilty. Uh, so you, FreshBooks lets you create and send professional looking invoices in 30 seconds from right inside the FreshBooks app it, with the um, your business's colors and logo part of it. So it makes it very easy and you can actually get them paid up to two times faster with automated online payments. FreshBooks users have clients all over the world, so FreshBooks lets you send invoices in the currency your clients use, making the hassle of currency conversion a thing of the past. It lets you file expenses more quickly, keeps them perfectly organized for tax time, which is top of mind for me right now because here in the United States, at least, we're heading into tax time and I'm thinking about getting all that together. And the best part is that FreshBooks grows alongside your business, so you'll always have the tools you need when you need them without having to learn the ins and outs of accounting. So I encourage you, if you've got a business and you're struggling with managing the finance part of it, join the 24 million people, including me, who have used FreshBooks, and you can try it free for 30 days. No catch, no credit card required. Put it through its paces. See if it will work for you. Just go to freshbooks.com woman and enter the productive woman in the how did you hear about us section to get started. And don't forget to take advantage of the discount that the UC Irvine Division of Continuing Education is offering you. Visit ce.uci.edu slash podcast and enter the promo code podcast for 15% off one course. Uh, that Again, ce.uci.edu slash podcast and use the promo code podcast for 15% off one course. But remember to do that, you got to get signed up by uh, 11.59 p.m. on March 31st. So as you're listening to this, as it's being released, time's running short. Check it out and be sure to let them know the productive woman sent you. 
And thank you so much to UC Irvine and FreshBooks for supporting The Productive Woman. And that is it for this episode of The Productive Woman. I am so grateful to you for spending this time with me and with Christiane. I hope you found something in it that's helpful to you. I think that you found it worthwhile to spend the time doing that. And I look forward to talking with you again very soon. So until next time, remember, extend grace to each other and to yourself and go make your life matter. The Productive Woman is a proud member of Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to help you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx.